Hello and welcome into another episode on the Labumba Pastors blog. I'm Masumba Jonathan. Today's lesson returns to our series from the book of Acts. The title of the lesson is Acts 9, the attestation of miracles. Our text to begin is Acts chapter 9, verses 32 to verse 43, which says this. Now as Peter went here and there among them all, he came down also to the saints who lived at Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas, bedridden for eight years, who was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose, and all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. Now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days she became ill and died, and when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, Please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, a tanner. Acts 9 concludes with the stories of these two miracles performed by Peter through the power of the Holy Spirit. God doesn't make any doctrinal declaration within the stories, but I want us to draw some truths about miracles from details stated in the stories. Africa as a whole is greatly distressed by people known as faith healers. I'm referring to the people who go around advertising for people to come and be delivered from any illness and problem by the anointed person, this person who claims to have the power to lay their hands on any person and heal them from any affliction or condition. President Museveni recently mentioned that some religious leaders in Uganda are encouraging him to burn these types of people. So, we see it's a problem even people outside the church can identify. My goal in this study is to help us have balance and an accurate understanding of miracles so we are not tossed back and forth like waves on the sea about this issue. The Bible tells us this is the main reason God performs miracles. In John 20, verses 30 and 31, we read, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Notice in both of these stories in Acts 9, the miracles resulted in people being converted. They saw the power of God and believed the word of God. This is the reason the church had earlier prayed the Holy Spirit would continue to perform miracles with them as they preached the gospel. In Acts chapter 4, verse 29 and 30, we read, And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness 
While you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So we see the miracles attested that the believer's message came from God. This is what Jesus said his work showed about who he came from. In John chapter 10, verse 37 and 38, we read, If I am not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works, that you may know and understand that the Father is in me, and I am in the Father. That's the primary purpose we see God does miracles for, that people would believe. But is that the only reason? No, we see that God also does miracles for the encouragement of his children. We see the saints were very grieved over the loss of their sister Dorcas. She was a great blessing to their congregation. She was full of good works and generosity. And so the believers sent for Peter because they were confident God had the ability to restore Dorcas's life to her. But here we must see something. Even the apostles were not in charge of when the Holy Spirit healed someone. Peter puts everyone outside and prays before he speaks to Dorcas, commanding her to rise. This should be an obvious truth to each of us, but somehow we miss it. If the apostles could just heal everyone and raise every person who died back to life, wouldn't they have done that? But that's not at all the record we find in Scripture. The Apostle Paul himself famously struggled with an illness. He spoke this way of the experience in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 and 9. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. We see Paul experienced what many of us experience. We are in a hard situation, asking again and again for God to intervene, whether it be for healing, whether it be deliverance from some type of problem. But we, we have all had this experience where we're praying to God for him to change it, for him to rescue us, for him to save us from the situation, and God doesn't do what we're asking. If Paul could just heal whomever he wanted, whenever he wanted, wouldn't he have delivered himself from this troubling ailment? Wouldn't it have been true that none of his traveling companions and fellow ministers would have ever needed to worry about being sick for very long because Paul could have just healed them instantly? And yet we find him talking about Epaphras being sick nigh to death and him, Paul, not being sure whether God would save him or not. He tells Timothy no longer to just drink water but to take a little, mix some wine with his water because Timothy suffered from frequent, most, most likely dysentery, running stomach from a lack of clean drinking water in their day and age. So why do we see these people getting sick, these ministers of God, if their gift of healing meant that they could just heal whomever they wanted, whenever they wanted? Well, the obvious truth is that the gift was administered at the determination of God, not the person. So when these faith healers call for everyone to come and be healed, are they telling people the truth? No, they are liars who are getting rich from false promises. 
It's no different than people who promise that they can give each person the gift of tongues. That is not what Scripture says. The Bible tells us that it is the Holy Spirit who determines the gifts that each person will receive. Now, this does not mean we should think it's irrelevant to pray anymore for God to do the miraculous. No, God actually commands us to pray for the miraculous and to commit everything to him in prayer. In James chapter 5, verse 14 and 15, we read, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. We are to pray for those in every impossible situation that God would intervene rescue, restore, and preserve. God tells us to cast every burden on him, for he cares for us. But we also see from Paul's experience that the burden God gives might also be exactly what we need to become a better servant of Christ, or perhaps to have a better platform to share about Christ with other people. So, we should not be discouraged that God doesn't care about us, or that we don't have the faith for God to answer us. Rather, we should be encouraged that the weakness God brings into our lives is so we might become more powerful in God's Spirit. Friends, the Bible tells us to test what we hear and the person who is speaking what we hear. In 1 John chapter 4, verse number 1, we read, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Let me give you a practical example of what this verse is telling us to do. Many churches in Uganda love conferences and crusades. Recently in our area, there was a conference where a preacher claimed that everyone listening to him would be driving by next year. Now, I don't know if he clarified that he meant they would be driving bicycles or motorbikes or cars, but I know he made this statement that everyone would be driving. Now, that's a very easy promise and a very easy word to test, right? If you see this promise fail and not everyone driving by next year, you know the person is a false prophet. That's very simple to understand, right? Don't be immature. God's given us his word to inform us, his spirit to guide us, and a mind to understand things. There's no reason a Christian should ever be deceived by any lie. If we are, it's because we are neglecting the Bible's instruction, the Holy Spirit's leading, and the practice of discernment. God bless you all.